Chatting with Chemeketa, the show where we talk about everything related to college. Whether you're someone considering coming to Chemeketa, current student, an alum, a member of the community, or a part of our local business and industry, we've got you covered. I'm Jessica Howard, Chemeketa's president. And I'm Marie Hewitt, filling in for Les Wilkes. For our listeners out there today, I have a question for you. Did you know that Chemeketa offers assistance to students and alumni who are looking for jobs? The answer to that one, Marie, is we do. We provide resources and tools and training that is really helpful. And joining us today to talk about this wonderful service is Kip Carlson from our Career Services Office. Welcome to chatting, Kip. Thank you very much for having me. Kip, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself before we dive into career services? Sure. Grew up in Corvallis, uh, graduated from Linfield College, now Linfield University, with a degree in mass communications and a minor in history. Spent about 12 years as a sports writer at the newspapers in Roseburg and Corvallis, and then went into the sports information office at Oregon State, was the media relations contact for the baseball team, wrestling, some other sports. Um, Really enjoyed it. Was doing the press releases, a little bit of radio, some of those kind of things. And then kind of after about 10 years, was really enjoying helping some of the student athletes with the writing. You know, they'd come over on a road trip with baseball or some of those kind of things. Hey, can you look at this? Um, let me know. And so got it in my mind. It would, you know, I was really enjoying helping students with writing and ended up the last three years I was at OSU were the three consecutive trips to the college world series. Wow. Won it in 2006. And so that was kind of like the sign from the universe. If you really want to go do something else now, go ahead. And so spent one more year there, was fortunate enough to be around another national championship team, went back to my old high school, Crescent Valley, worked for about six months, figuring out, do I really want to be a high school journalism teacher? Loved it. Went back to Willamette, got my master's in teaching. Wow. And graduated just about the time that the economy tanked and teachers were looking around and going, I better teach another two or three years to get my retirement account back up. (laughs) And so saw the position at Chemeketa. I'd been working in the career services office at Crescent Valley for a while. And so I've been here for about the last 12 years. Wow. I just love hearing about the backgrounds of our Chemeketa folks. They're so amazing. Well, does that mean that um, our nine sports teams, because you're here, are all going to win their national championships, (laughs) Kip? I I think they're working on it. I, I, I hope think so. you're our lucky penny. That's what I think. <laughs> but we're so lucky to have you. You came 12 years ago, 2011? Uh, yeah, January of 2012. 2012? Okay. okay. How has what you do at Chemeketa changed? We were spread a little more thin staffing-wise, which I think is the case all around the college. The economy has really changed a lot of what we do. When I first started here, it was still coming out of a pretty deep recession. It was a lot more people looking for work than people looking to hire. And that's kind of slowly shifted around from now you've got a lot more people looking to hire than people looking for work is probably the biggest change. What does the Career Services Office actually do? We serve pretty much three different constituencies. Obviously, students and former students are the first one. And then employers, local employers, is that, you know, they're one of our clients. And then also faculty and staff, the programs at Chemeketa, just to kind of run through a few of the things that we have available for each one. For students, you know, we'll assist them with resumes and cover letters. Whether they're starting it out, just want somebody to review it. They've got a job interview coming up. We can do mock interviews with them. Or if they just want to practice just in case they have an interview, happily do that with folks. And sometimes a lot of that is about teaching them not so much what to say as what not to say. Oh. Um, <laughs> that can get you into a little more trouble. You know, informational interviews will help students set those up if they have an idea about a career they might be interested in, but they don't 
they want to find out more about it before committing to that educational path, but they don't know somebody who's doing that type of work. I've got enough employer contacts that I can usually find someone, or I know someone who can find someone that students can go in, sit down for 20 minutes and just pick that person's brain about the training they need. What do you like about this job? Not like about this job. You know, sometimes they come out of that thinking, this is exactly what I want to do, just as valuable. Sometimes they come out of it thinking, that's not what I want to do. We do have an online job board as well for students and former students, Chemeketa Career Link. They can get on there anytime from anywhere you can get online, generally between 200 and 300 jobs on there, ranging from the type of thing that you might work while you're in school to positions like the first step on a career ladder. Recruiting events, you know, and this kind of gets into the resources we have for employers. Chemeketa Career Link, you know, great place to post jobs. Oh, that's good to know. Try and get some of the student hires in there. Also helping them with recruiting events. We've kind of gotten away from doing job fairs, but we do still have the opportunity to, you know, have a recruiting table on campus, whether it's for the general student population or if you want to target the automotive program or dental assisting. We can help you set some of those things up. If I were an employer (laughs) out in the community, how would I get in touch with your office to post information about an open job? You could just email me at kip dot C-A-R-L-S-O-N at C-H-E-M-E-K-E-T-A dot E-D-U. And I should mention too, all of these resources that we offer employers are free. There's no charge for putting a position on Chemeketa Career Link. There's no charge for coming in and doing a recruiting table, having an online Zoom recruiting event. We've done those as well. Started during the pandemic. It worked well enough that that's another option. So if I'm a student, let's say I kind of have a general idea that I should be doing something in college and I really don't know. And you know, one of our challenges is that we have so many programs, so many options, right? Over 90 career and technical credentials. And that's not even the gen ed side or the non-credit side, et cetera. So, I mean, it's it's sort of a, it's mind boggling. So if a student comes in the door, at what point do they make their way to career services? Is it kind of like a certain point in their course taking? Do they come at different times? Does it depend on their interest? One thing to get across is for those who aren't sure what they want to study, that goes through our counseling office. That's not career services. Mm. Is that career counseling and deciding what you might want to pursue for an occupation, you make an appointment with one of the counselors. So they're kind of the entry into that pipeline. I'm at the other end, Mm. is that when you're ready to look for work, you need help filling out an application, putting together a resume, any of those kind of things, that's where career services comes in. And so that could either be a student who is in school and needs to find some employment or wants to find some employment, Mm -hmm. something they can work part-time while they're in school. Mm -hmm. I can help with that. Or when they're coming out of a program, getting ready to start that career, we can try and get them plugged in then. How would a student connect with you to learn how to write a resume or even do one of those mock interviews you were talking about? They can just go onto the Navigate app and look for career services, find my schedule, and make an appointment. And for alumni, should they call the office or how does that work for them? If they phone career services, you know, one of our receptionists will pick up. They've got access to my schedule and can make an appointment. Oh, that's wonderful. Sure is. Don't think about it, Marie. We're very happy here. Okay. As long as as we all know that. So in terms of, you said that there were sort of three constituents, right, Mm -hmm. that you serve. One is students and obviously one is employers. And certainly in this tight labor market, it would seem to be an incredible opportunity to be able to tap into our 
18,000 headcount students from across the district through your office. Is this something where there are certain times of the year that it makes sense for employers to connect with you? Because we have, you know, we're on an academic calendar. Sometimes that means connect before September or something like that. A lot of that just depends on if you're looking to hire for kind of a part-time in-school position, that's pretty much year-round. If you're looking to hire somebody in the trades, you probably want to get a job posting put up and trying to make connections winter term. Because if you're looking for someone in drafting, automotive, a lot of those fields, by the time spring term gets here, they may have just about everybody who's looking to go straight to work connected with a job already. That is really impressive that our CTE programs are so excellent in finding our students' careers before they even graduate. It's absolutely true. And what I was going to say is for those listeners who didn't grow up in the term system, the quarter system, when is winter term versus spring term? Winter is first week of January through spring break. Last week of March and then, you know, spring term, Mm -hmm. first week of April into about the second week of June. So we're really kind of turning the corner and going into the time period when, if you are hiring certainly kind of what I would call career positions, certainly career and technical education positions that you would be advertising and connecting with the college. Start now. Start now. You heard it here. <laughs> and then the third the third group of constituents that your office serves is faculty members? Yeah. We will go in and give a program to the automotive students on here's how you put together your resume, your cover letter, portfolio, interview skills, human services, dental assisting. There's a number of programs that do those. Some programs will actually stage their own mock interview event, usually in the spring. I think a few of them might do it in the winter, where we bring in a dozen sometimes up to two dozen employers in a field, set up the tables and students go in and actually get to go through practice interviews with two, three, four different employers and get feedback from the employers. We tell employers, they also may get jobs from the employers. We do stress that these are practice interviews that you know the students know they don't expect you to be perfect. You're, you're going to get some feedback. The employers are very helpful providing that. We do ask the employers, please don't make a job offer during the mock interview <laughs> events. If you Talk to a student with whom you have a great deal of interest and a pretty good connection. Just get their contact information. You can get a hold of them later. But some terrific events. But we also have some programs that will make it an assignment for students that you will do a resume, you will do a cover letter, and you will go get those reviewed. Other programs make it an assignment to go get a mock interview and get feedback on that. So yes, you know, we love going into classes and helping students that way. Do you have any standing dates for students just to come in for like a resume writing seminar or mock interviews or is that just a one-on-one appointment? It tends to be one-on-one. Some of the first years I was here, we tried doing it with, okay, come to room two, 115, whatever, at such and such time on a date. And we really didn't get much of a response. And so it just turned out that it was better to come on in. We can give you some one-on-one help. You know, it occurs to me that certainly nailing the interview or being competitive in the interview has always been a feature of our professional landscape, at least in recent memory, right? I mean, I think probably all of us have been on interviews. Mm -hmm. But I would think that in the modern age, when we have students coming out who are of a different generation who have had a lot of exposure to social media, digital interfaces, that sort of thing, that those sort of soft skills, which we hear a lot about, what does it mean to ensure that you know not only the content of the career you're interested in going into, but how to interact with others, right? And the interview is sort of like a supercharged piece of being able to do that 
that would get you into that, you know, job in the first place. So I'm just wondering, is there any insight you can give around, do, do you see students less prepared or more needing the interview practice? Or is it pretty much the way it's been? I'm just curious because I'm hearing from our high school partners that we've got some ground to make up in terms of that interpersonal growth. I think a lot of the people that come to career services, Chemeca is a different population than a high school, is we have a lot of you know, older students. We do get some that are straight out of high school, but a lot of adults with a lot of life experience. And they pretty much kind of know the drill and right. they know the face-to-face communication skills. Now and then you might get some first two years out of high school students mm-hmm. who are a little bit shaky on it. But for the most part, people still seem to be able to talk to each other. Good. Well, that fills me with hope. And of course, you know, having this kind of opportunity is so helpful for the student who is who is getting their education at Chemeketa. I just want all of you to think about what this means for a student experience experience at the college. I'm really excited about the services that your office provides, Kip. And if any of our listeners, if you've got questions about what we've just covered or comments about today's show, please write to us at chatter at chemeketa.edu and we'll answer your questions through email or on an upcoming show. So thank you, Kip, for taking a little time out of your busy schedule to chat with us today. Thank you very much for having me. Great to get the word out. It is time to take a super quick break, but we'll be right back with information about our unique center in Woodburn. Stay tuned. Did you know that Chemeketa Community College offers classes that meet almost every need? Whether you prefer learning on your own time at your own pace with online study, enjoy interacting with classmates and instructors, but need to do it remotely, or prefer on-campus instruction, it's your choice when you become a student at Chemeketa. Get started on your future and apply today at go.chemeketa.edu slash apply. Welcome back to Chatting with Chemeketa. I am so excited to introduce our next guest, He not only is an amazing dancer, but he's the dean of our Woodburn Center. Welcome, Elias Villegas. Thank you for the opportunity to share uh, about myself and some facts and figures about the student population that we serve at the Woodburn Center. Elias, most people are familiar with our Salem campus, but they don't necessarily know we have centers all over the district. Can you tell us a little about yourself and why you love the Woodburn Center? Thank you. Um, I was born and raised in Mexico. I came to the U.S. uh, to join my father, who had been a migrant farm worker. And uh, I did farm work uh, for a few years. And then uh, somebody told me about a community college where I could go to learn English. So I went to a community college in California. It was Beer College. I was an ESL student uh, for about six months. And then I was uh, asked to start thinking about a career. And I met with an academic advisor, and she asked me, what are you good at? And I, something that came to my mind was math. And she said, well, why don't you study accounting? You, you're learning English, and accounting should be easy for you to follow. So I decided to study accounting. So it took me about three years to get an associate degree in accounting. I went to work for an accounting firm for about six months, and I decided that that's not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Uh, they, my equipment was a thinking calculator and a typewriter. In, uh, in a booth. And uh, so decided to go back to school, went to Chico State University where I pursued a degree 
in uh, business administration, international uh, management option, mm-hmm. and uh, Spanish. I was asked to take some Spanish classes, so I decided to do the double major. So I graduated from Chico State, went to work for a uh, retail firm. I did that for uh, about seven years while I was taking uh, classes for my master's degree. And uh, I always wanted to be a teacher. That's what I wanted to do. I remember when my uh, uncle asked me when I finished high school, what do you want to do? And he sa- I said, I wanted to be a teacher. He said, no, 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 you need to, be some- to do something different. <laughs> Teachers don't make a lot of money, you know, but I always wanted to be a teacher. So... Decided to, I got a job at a community college, uh, working part-time as an academic advisor, and that's where I met my wife. Um, my wife used to work from 8 to, five, 8 to 12, and I worked in the afternoon from uh, 1 to 5. I never got to meet her throughout the whole <laughs> academic year. I never met her. But she would leave me notes. Hey, you got to put these files away. You got to clean that, uh, the trash before you go home. Oh. And uh, she still does that, actually, at home. So she still <laughs> tells me what to do when it comes to cleaning. And so I um, graduated from Chico State and I, uh, I was working as the director of the ESL program at Beard Community College. And then I came to Oregon uh, with what? a friend. What made you come to Oregon? Well, a friend of mine had a job interview and uh, he had come to uh, PCC for a job interview. So he invited me to come to Oregon with him to just to, uh, just to accompany him. So I came to accompany him, and I liked the weather. So when I went back to uh, Chico, where I was living, I told my wife about Wood, about Wood, about Oregon and Woodburn in particular. I had learned that Woodburn uh, had the largest Hispanic uh, population in uh, Oregon. So we came, we visited uh, Woodburn, we visited uh, Oregon. We liked the weather. It was in August. It was in the 80s and 90s. <laughs> when in California, the weather is in the, in the hundreds, 110, 112. So I decided to apply for a job at Chemeketa and... Uh, I became the director of the high school equivalency program in uh, 2001. That's oh. when I came to Oregon. So I did that for about uh, three and a half years, almost four years. And then the position of Whitburn uh, uh, became available, and I became the director of the uh, Whitburn Center and uh, later the dean of the Whitburn Center. So I've been at the Whitburn Center now for 18 years. This is my, my 19th year in Whitburn. So the first winter you experienced didn't scare you. <laughs> well, you know, actually, I asked in the interview uh, the uh, the committee, I said, I, I understand that it rains a lot in here in Oregon. And they said, but the, my supervisor back then, Cheryl Fox, said, oh, no, it's not really that bad. It rains about three or four times a week. That's what she said. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, six months later, I said, you know, what happened to the three or four times a week? So she said, three, three times and, and three and four times, that's seven days, the seven times, that's seven days a week. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. So it rains every day, basically, here in Oregon. But I, I like the weather. I don't mind the weather at all. Well, I have to agree. I love the weather. Um, and I'm going to say that a lot in between, um, you know, December and April when I really, really wish we had sun. <laughs> but uh, I'm with you. I love Oregon and, and what it's what it's like to live here. So we're very grateful that you moved to Oregon. Yeah. But I have a so, – so you are talking about the Woodburn Center, the Woodburn Center is one of our seven locations, right? And um, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about the students who attend Woodburn and, you know, kind of their characteristics in relation to the community that that center serves. Well, Woodburn became the first city in Oregon to become the majority minority. So about 60% of the population in Woodburn is Hispanic, and that's the student population that we serve. 
over, over 50% of the students that we're serving in Woodburn are Hispanic, and that is in line with the student population of the school district in Woodburn. About 82% of the students in the Woodburn School District are Hispanic, so those are the students that we're serving. Uh, the majority of the students come to the Woodburn Center to complete their Associate of Arts Oregon Transfer degree. So that's the majority of the students. We offer enough courses for the students to complete uh, their AOT in Woodburn, with a few exceptions. They have to take a couple of uh, online classes, and uh, when it comes to taking science classes, we have become very creative. They take the, the lab in uh, Salem and the lecture in Woodburn. So the majority of the students, again, are Hispanic. We also have a very large Russian population in Woodburn, and a lot of seniors also in Woodburn. So very diverse community. So many of our students that we serve in Woodburn are trilingual. They speak Spanish, English, and Russian. Wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. That is. And it's a, it's a beautiful campus and a beautiful area. I just love walking around downtown Woodburn. It is. Uh, Woodburn is known also for its Mexican food. If you have never yes. been to Woodburn, you're missing out because Woodburn has the best Mexican food in Oregon. I happen to live in Salem. But when I get a relative or a friend visiting from out of town, I bring them to Woodburn uh, for food because Woodburn has the best Mexican food in Oregon. From many regions of Mexico, they have from southern Mexico, central Mexico, northern Mexico. Uh, just come to Woodburn. If you haven't been in Woodburn, you're missing out because we have the best Mexican food in Oregon. And by the way, Woodburn is the most visited city in Oregon, if you didn't know. Really? Yeah. Nearly over 3 million people come to Woodburn every year mainly to shop, of course. We have the company stores in Woodburn. And the majority of uh, people, actually the average person spends about around $400. Hmm. And I can attest to that because my wife went shopping no long ago for Christmas and she ended up <laughs> spending about $450. Uh. So uh, that's, that's a fact. Uh, well, boy. so you're, you're, you're making the, the data true. Is that yes, right? actually, actually my wife is, is re increasing the average a little bit. <laughs> Well, one of the things I know we've really talked about, um, Elias, and you've been a huge advocate for this, is thinking about how we can make it so that students can get the full AAOT two-year, um, it's basically freshman and sophomore years of general education and, you know, transfer requirements before transferring on to a four-year or perhaps staying on for our applied baccalaureate degree or something like that. But as you mentioned before, that science lab can be tricky because it's hard to do science, the applied science, right, um, online. I mean, we we did do it somewhat during the pandemic. We did the best job we could, but it is it typically is not ideal. So, so, so we've been thinking about this because it requires some changes to the physical environment in Woodburn. Can you tell us about that? Yes, uh, we, you know, we have to convert one of the classrooms into a science lab. One thing that I want to mention is that it really a, it's, it's a priority in Woodburn. The high school in Woodburn does not have a science lab either. Really? So by having a science lab uh, in Woodburn at the Woodburn Center, we could uh, have it have the high school use the science lab as well. No kidding. The, the science lab at the Woodburn High School is not up to standard. It's mm. not a, a authorized to be used by our instructors or teach there because they don't have the equipment necessary uh, to serve the students. Wow. And that is kind of a bummer to have to drive from Woodburn to the it Salem is. campus just for the lab section of the science class. It, it absolutely is. And I think, you know, location really is everything. And mm -hmm. when you're talking about 
something where we have a lot of remote offerings, and I know Woodburn does its own, you know, kind of share of what I would call the the distance, you know, the online education. Um, that applied piece is simply something that is much better uh, in person. So if we can make that happen in Woodburn, that would be a huge um, benefit for the students who live there. So I think we're really thinking along those lines. Yes, absolutely. One thing that I want to mention is that in Whitburn, we serve around 1,000 students per term. Wow. You know, the majority of the students, again, they're Hispanic. Mm -hmm. uh, about, you mentioned uh, teaching classes in uh, dual modalities. So uh, the majority of the students, about 65% of the students taking classes in person. But we have, have about 15% of the students who take classes remotely with right. remote instructions. Right. And uh, hybrid instructions as well. So that, that, you know, that's a fact about Wedburn, that population. It's a working class that we're serving. Yeah. The majority of the students are working either full-time or part-time. Right. Many of them are employed by the Wedburn Company stores. So I have a question for you because I know we've got a program that really is kind of, well, so many good things happen at Woodburn, but this particular program is such a game changer for the community, and it's the bilingual education program um, that we that we run at and through the Woodburn Center. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, uh, the bilingual education program actually was started by uh, Pacific University. In 2015, they came to Woodburn, and they wanted to offer a bilingual education program. So we met with uh, we met with the uh, the dean of the Woodburn Center, uh, Pacific University Dean, Kevin Carr, who later became an instructor at Chemeketa, and he's one of our science instructors in Woodburn. And uh, the bilingual education program uh, at, at the, at the, high, at the um, Pacific University uh, serves about, has served over the last seven years about 80 students. They have served about 80 students. 90% of the students uh, have come from Chemeketa. Our Chemeketa students are completing their first two years of college in their education program, and then transferring to Pacific University. And about 90% of the students are being, having placed in Woodburn or surrounding communities teaching. So uh, between uh, the Pacific University campus in Woodburn and the Chemeketa Community College, uh, Salem and Woodburn, uh, we are feeding the program and graduating uh, students with a teaching certificate or credential and now we're not teaching either in Woodburn or the surrounding communities. And these are all bilingual teachers, correct? That is correct. They're all by ninety percent of them are bilingual. Yeah. So this is meeting a huge staffing need on behalf of the local school districts. And I know it's not just Woodburn, but I know that's a that's a prime employer. But also, I think Salem Kaiser and other area school districts are looking to programs like this to help fill their teacher pipeline. And I think we've got. Um, uh, a certain percentage of these graduates are in elementary education as well. The majority of them are in elementary education. Yeah. I said the majority are teaching uh, uh, K through fifth grade. Right. Anyway, it's it's so exciting, and uh, even the Mexican consulate that I'm aware of is uh, has a scholarship to support this program. Seeing that again, it's it's not just an, a program leading to a career for our students. It's a way to give back to the entire community because of the nature of the work and the fact that it's serving a Hispanic-serving uh, Hispanic population, right? Correct. Another thing that I want, another fact that I want to share about Whitburn that you mentioned about the students, you know, so we have the, the main campus in Whitburn. That's where we have that located in 120 East Lincoln Street. But we also offer classes at the uh, Aquatic Center in Whitburn. Uh, the Youth Correctional Facility also in Woodburn. We offer classes at the Woodburn uh, School District and Jervis School District. 
So we are really meeting the needs of the communities. We have five different locations where we serve our students. That's pretty incredible. It, it is. And are, are you still teaching dancing? Yes. You know, dancing is my passion. That's, uh, that's what I'm all about. I've uh, been uh, dancing since I, was, since I was 12. I learned to dance when I was 12, partner dancing. And I've been teaching now for over 30 years. I love to teach. Uh, that's what I, I look forward to every Friday at 6 o'clock. The class is on Friday at 6 o'clock at the Woodman Center. And I tell the students that it is the only class at Chemeckera where the final exam is held at a nightclub. So for the final, <laughs> we go to a nightclub, meet people, get to practice what you learn. And that is my passion. So, uh, you know, the class we teach, uh, it's a salsa class, but we teach the uh, salsa, merengue, cumbia, bachata. Those are the popular uh, dances out in the out on, out on nightclubs. Well, Elias, you know, I feel like we've, um, we've finished our... Uh, interview today landing on a topic that we could do a whole nother episode about which is how to dance at Chemeketa and having your <laughs> final in a nightclub uh, but uh, in all seriousness uh, Elias you are such a huge part of the Woodburn Center the success of that center how connected it is to the community uh, we're just so so excited about everything that's happened there and also about the future. We know Woodburn is growing and we're extremely committed to serving that city the best we possibly can moving forward. So I'm just really, really thrilled that um, Elias was able to join us today. And I just want to thank you for coming by and sharing all, everything that you've shared today with our listeners. Well, thank you, thank you again for the opportunity to share and come to visit our Woodburn Center. Let's have lunch. You will enjoy the great Mexican food that we offer. <laughs> and for our listeners, if you want to know more about what you've just heard, including Elias's personal um, choices for lunch spots, <laughs> be sure to email us at chatter at chemeketa.edu. You can also send us comments about the show or suggestions for future topics. Again, that email address is chatter at chemeketa.edu. Well, I've had a lot of fun filling in for Les today, and I'm also very hungry after hearing all about the <laughs> restaurants. But it's already time to close out the show. Tune in again next time to hear more great stories. For Chatting with Chemeketa, I'm Marie Hewlett. And I'm Jessica Howard. Bye! Bye.